0: Bibles and turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 22. Proverbs, chapter 22, and uh, we're going to direct this uh, particularly towards the fathers this morning. The rest of you, I want you to listen up. I want you to to, uh, take part in this as well, but this is directed particularly to the fathers this morning. Proverbs, chapter 22, if you don't know where Proverbs, go go to Psalm in the middle of your Bibles and take a hard right, and it's just right about there. Proverbs chapter 22. This morning I want to read just one verse, just one verse. I often have you know many many verses but today we're just going to look at one verse uh, from this from this particular gathering of Proverbs that the Holy Spirit anointed Solomon to write. One verse Proverbs chapter 22 verse 28 reads this way. Do not move an ancient boundary stone set up by your forefathers. It's a very brief verse. I want to read it one more time. Do not, the, the writer said, writes, do not move an ancient boundary stone set up by your forefathers. Lord Jesus, as we've prayed, even early this morning as I prayed and as I've diligently prepared, Lord, I ask now that you will speak to us. I thank you for your word, even just a few words in one, song, one one proverb, one chapter of Proverbs, and I ask, Lord, that you will take this one statement and, and really what it means and bury it deep into our hearts. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we will be different because you speak to us today. We need more of you, and we need more of your direction. I ask particularly, Lord, that you would stir the hearts of fathers this day. We thank you, and we praise you the giver of all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Boundary stones. You see a picture of one before you. Boundary stones back then in Bible times were, were large or unusual stone markings. They were purposely, purposely different from the surrounding terrain. It had to be something that it, it, was, it was in its unnatural state. It was set up or it was different from anything else, so that even from a distance, you knew that's a marking stone, a boundary stone. They were, they were at that time, and even still some degree today, they were and are visual demarcations that created borders for property. It's a background to this. Then is now the possession of land... <laughs> some of you know this more than others, the possession of land made the difference between survival and starvation. So boundaries were important. Those demarcations, on this side it's my land, on this side it's your land, because those markers determined ownership, those markers determined authority, and they still do. Boundaries are important. Proper boundaries today, if, if you were to go to even, even something as small as your yard or as large as a farm or a ranch, boundaries, proper boundaries today can be marked by metal stakes or fences or rivers or roads, maybe a few other landmarks. But, but markers, whatever kind it might be, as rudimentary as a stone or as, as fancy as a, a, a nice, beautiful white fence, borders mark, still mark ownership, and boundaries still mark authority. This directive here in Proverbs chapter 22 verse 20, this directive that was given to Solomon by the Holy Spirit, Solomon wrote it down. This directive was, was written in part because people back then, and I suppose throughout time, people back then were moving boundaries. They were moving boundaries. Understand, back in that time, there were no surveyors. They didn't have anybody with a nice transit or, or GPS, a global positioning system. They didn't have anything like that. There were no official plats or maps. There were no documents that were registered at the courthouse. They just had markers, just markers. So, so therefore, if thieves wanted land, or if an unscrupulous neighbor wanted to expand their land, it was simply a matter of very carefully and very quietly, often in the middle of the night, going out and taking those, those markers like this one and just moving it a short distance. Uh, as I was studying this text, this, this particular verse, and kind of looking into the background of it, I read how people back then, and they actually have some, some uh, writings, some records of this, how people back then would just gradually move the boundary stone, especially if, if it was on a piece of land that, that was kind of flat or kind of featureless. Uh, they they would take that stone and they would just move it not very far, a few inches or maybe a few feet. Or if it were on the top of a hill and there were another hill right next to it that looked really remarkably like the first hill, they would take it and they would move it over there. and 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 just by adjusting those borders, you suddenly had maybe as much as half an acre or more of additional land there was a real problem with back then moving these borders inch by inch incremental almost imperceptible changes maybe from one day or one week to the next but over the course of time by moving that boundary land was stolen the instructions here are very clear Uh, the instructions here are clear don't move the boundaries Respect and protect the boundaries. This, this was the admonition. Again, as I mentioned a few moments ago, today is, today is Father's Day. And, uh, and, and I'm speaking more directly to the fathers than anyone. And also to those this morning who perhaps one day will be fathers. I want to I speak to you. Few honors are as great and few responsibilities are as heavy as being a father. I've been a father now for um, close to 25 years, and I absolutely, of all of the roles in my life, I don't know that there's hardly any. I think the three that I've enjoyed most are 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 husband, father, and pastor. Those those roles they're they're they've been so fulfilling to me. But that role of father is very very special, and and. When you become a father, you you become a part of a pretty remarkable fraternity, and uh, where where we share and 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 we understand in a greater degree, perhaps, the the responsibilities and sometimes the weight of being a father. It requires huge amounts of time, requires huge amounts of energy, and and yet it's it's deeply, deeply fulfilling. You probably noticed here this one verse that you see before, this one verse that we're looking at this morning. While it talks about markers, it also talks about forefathers. In fact, in some translations, it doesn't use the word forefathers, it simply uses the word fathers. Let me explain exactly what this meant, what that part of it meant. Um, This is referring, when it says fathers or forefathers, this was referring to the people who first received the land when the Jewish people entered what they referred to as the promised land. Uh, centuries before the writing of this proverb, the people of Israel, who had been in captivity for hundreds of years in Egypt, had been miraculously set free by God and were, after a period of 40 years of wandering in the desert, the Bible says that they entered across the, the Jordan River on a dry riverbed that God had miraculously parted, and they go into the promised land, the land of Canaan, There were some enemies there, there had been some people that had come in while the the people of Israel were absent, and over the course of the coming years then, those enemies were defeated and then pieces of land were parceled out. They were given out according to tribes and according to uh, families within those tribes. In fact, you don't do it now, but later on, if you go into the book of Joshua, and I think starting with about chapter 13 through I think chapter 22 there's about 10 chapters there and if you're reading through the bible those are hard chapters because you it's just it's it kind of likes this the uh, the uh, the family of ur uh, it, uh, will receive the land from such and such a river to such and such a valley <laughs> and then it goes on to and it describes the next family and what they receive that that's the, these forefathers that it's referring to here that's who it's talking about Centuries before, the people who had trusted God, who had gone through some incredible hardship, the people who had been set free by God, the people who had been supernaturally sustained by God, came into the new land, God gave them out, and they began to settle, and then they would put up markers. On this side, it's yours, on this side, it's mine, this is the family of so-and-so, that is the the property of another family. And then their descendants. For for centuries following that distribution of the land, their descendants, those forefathers or father's descendants, would, would protect and defend those boundaries. And so God was reminding them here in this text don't move those boundary stones. I gave you the land. I'm the one. It's almost as if he's reminding them, I'm the one who set you free. I'm the one who brought you into the land. I'm the one who gave you the land. And, and now I'm trusting that you will protect those boundaries that I gave you. But I want you to understand that Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 28 is not simply history. If that's all we look at it, we go, well, that's very interesting. I learned something today in church and, and, you know, well, that's fascinating, but it really doesn't change my life. But I want you to understand that Proverbs chapter 22, verse 28 is more than just history. It's also analogy. It's also analogy. By that, it's not simply a directive to protect property but also to guard principle. I want you to get that. It's not simply to guard property, but it was to protect principles. Biblical truths. Uh, Last week I referred when we were looking again into the book of Mark chapter 7 and where it talked about doctrines versus traditions. Those doctrines, sometimes that's a disparaged word, a, a, a word that has kind of fallen into disuse. But doctrine simply means biblical truths that are true for every generation, regardless of age, ethnicity, um, uh, place of, of, of origin, uh, income level, gender. they are principles for everyone. And so when we look at this text here that's before you, the text that we read, I want you to understand it's not simply talking about physical marking stones that that were a demarcation between one person's land and another, but it's also analogy, and God is telling His people those ancient boundary stones that He set up, we are to not move. Biblical truths, principles, godly, based upon the word, Doctrines. In varying degrees, you know, in fact, some of you have studied this far more than I have, but in varying degrees, you know that within our culture, many of the boundary stones of biblical principles have been moved. We've seen this. The boundary stones of biblical principles, and again, by biblical principles, I mean. Truths that apply to every person at any point in history. And many of those boundary stones that God set up have been sometimes incrementally moved. They are markers or guideposts or reference points that were established in our culture to some degree in our culture in large part because of previous moves of God in people's lives. People came to Christ and he changed them. Here's what happened. At various points in our history, and sometimes we look take a very secular view of history that, that, that does not include the move of God upon people's hearts. If you were to go back in our history, I'm talking specifically in our nation's history, if you were to go back, you would see at different times where people... Their worldview, we call it, or the way that they interacted in culture or the way that they interacted in society was profoundly affected by their living relationship with Jesus Christ. We call these moves of God, sometimes we refer to them as revivals, and and we can go back and we can see definite changes within society, definite changes within culture that were really rooted in a tremendous move of God in the lives of individuals. They come to Christ, they they repent of their sins, their lives are transformed, it begins with them and then it affects their family. And then then perhaps in varying degrees of, of influence within their communities or within the greater culture, they begin then to change that greater culture. And we see this in our history, we see this in the history of a number of nations and the influence that that godly principles, the influence of biblical truths that have had upon the greater society. Now let me be very clear on something. I am not stating, I'm not presenting to you that, that, that uh, we, we have ever been, the United States of America has ever been a Christian utopia. It's never been that. Uh, if you were to measure the spiritual temperature of our nation, it's gone up and down and up and down. And it's never been completely it's never been that way so I, I don't want to uh, I don't want to paint a picture that that we were ever this this wonderful Christian society. I am saying that many of the biblical principles, many of these eternal truths based upon the Word of God, deeply shaped our culture and our nation and and other nations who have been similarly similarly who have who have been affected in like ways. Um, have, have been documented around the world. And so we see this. Biblical principles of morality, biblical principles of propriety, that's not a word that you hear very often, biblical principles of integrity that became then key parts of our social fabric. Even if a person weren't a follower of Jesus Christ, they still lived in a society that was largely influenced by godly, eternal, Christian principles. And yet moral and spiritual and integral boundaries have been moved. They have been shifted. And time does not allow me this morning to go into all of the examples in which our culture has changed. I will say this. What was unthinkable 50 years ago is now regarded by many as normal. What was perverse, even as little as 30 years ago, is now frequently applauded. What was embarrassing 20 years ago is now often considered humorous Joni and I uh were were out on on a date uh on um Friday night was it we were out on a date and uh we were uh walking down aisle five of Menards no that was a different time wasn't it yeah that was a I don't don't know where you date but that doesn't get any better than Menards right no we were someplace else um and within just the span of just a few moments, I, 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 won't, I don't want to muddy the waters by explaining exactly what it was because I think I might lose you, but within just a span of a few moments, there were two things that I saw that were deeply disturbing, so deeply disturbing that I, just, I had to make this mental and spiritual adjustment to say, I'm not going to let this ruin my night because I'm with the love of my life, and we're on a date. But it was so disturbing. And the thought hit me, you know, 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, this would would not have been seen. This would not have been acceptable. But now, suddenly, it is. Just one indication of how a, a boundary stone that was once pretty fixed in our society once in our culture this this is we don't cross this line but suddenly it's been moved and so the line has been adjusted the border the boundary is is different i mentioned that i mentioned that what was unthinkable 50 years ago is now normal what was perverse 30 years ago is now applauded was embarrassing 20 years ago is now humorous and I wonder I wonder I just wonder should Jesus not yet return and should there should we not yet experience another move of God that is desperately needed in our culture I wonder what is it that is unacceptable now that will in years to come be fully embraced see that's what kind of bothers me a little bit uh, I might be around for a few more decades and, and, and my, my children, maybe even someday my grandchildren, and I wonder what are the things that they're going to experience, what are the thing, changes that they're going to see that right now are unacceptable, but 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now will be totally not only acceptable, but even embraced and applauded. <laughs> and I go, oh Lord. And I can respond in two ways. I can say, oh, Lord, come quickly. Get me out of here. Circle the wagons in the meantime. And that's sometimes what we do. This is bad. So we've got to be careful. But I I, I don't want to just circle the wagons and wait for the, the rescuers to come. Why is this happening? Because because the boundaries sometimes incrementally often drastically have been moved or they've been abandoned or they've been demolished or they've been covered over and just put a big mound of dirt around it you won't see it anymore it'll just look like the surrounding countryside and yet and yet here's the thing there's always consequences to moved boundaries did you know that you know if if you if you take a a stone and you move it a couple of feet just one way or the other, somebody's going to gain and somebody's going to lose. And there's always consequences. And, and, and often those are, sometimes they're very quick, sometimes they're very immediate, and other times they're a bit lagging. But the consequence, there are, there are, and there will continue to be consequences to the moral choices that we've made or to the Boundaries that we've ignored. And I pray for our nation and for our culture and for our community. Now, Let me just point this out. Or, or, or say how easy it is to point at the greater culture. It's very easy to look at the greater culture and go, what is this world coming to? It is easy to look at our nation and go, oh, look at those people that have, in place of influence, who have shaped us. It's easy to point the fingers at them, but then ignore the personal boundary stones that have also been moved. It's very easy to point at the culture and say, look, they're at fault, and very easy to overlook the personal boundary stones that have also been moved. I, I have seen Christians. People who have surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. People that can look back and say, I remember when I surrendered my life to Christ. I gave myself to Him. I felt the transformation that was taking place within me. My life was different after I came to Christ. I, I, I'm, I, I have seen Christians who can say that who are then called by Him to effect spiritual change in the world because when we come to Christ, it isn't just, he stamps us good to go, ready for heaven, and then he takes us away. He stamps us with his name, and then he calls upon us to make a, become a change agent within our world. Let me, let, me, let me restate that. When you gave your life to Christ, it wasn't simply a get-out-of-hell-free card. He gave you a license to be used of him to change the world around you for Christ. You and I have a responsibility. If we wear the name Christian, if we wear the title Christian, if we embrace him and he embraces us, we have a holy responsibility to affect change in our world. And yet, too often I have seen people who instead of changing the world around them, people who claim to follow Christ have then been changed by the world around them. Why? Because they allowed boundary stones to be moved. I've known Christians who said, Well, you know, I, I I know that those words shouldn't be used, but in the right situation. I've known people who claim faith in Jesus Christ and they say, Well, I I know that I know that this wonderful thing called sex is 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 supposed to be for marriage, but our situation is different and they move a boundary stone. I, I've known Christians who said, Well, it's all right to cheat in this way and under these circumstances, and, and they move a boundary. So it's small sometimes, it's just small, just a few inches. But over the course of time, over the course of time, that that stone, those stones are just, are moved a little bit further, and a little bit further, and a little bit further before, before you know it, they, they look remarkably like the world around them. And, and, and it's like it, it, it erodes down and, and, and it kind of gets grass grown over to where it just looks like it looks hardly it's hardly distinguishable from the the greater culture. It's easy, isn't it, to condemn the regress of culture and overlook the compromised boundaries in our own hearts. It's very easy to do that. In fact, I warn you against that. Don't simply look at the the. Bad things that have happened in our culture and overlook sometimes the bad things that happen in our own hearts. Listen up, fathers, and here's where it comes to you us, me, right? I'm one of them. Listen up, fathers. Listen up, fathers. I believe it is us more than any other members of society who have the most potential to restore and to protect biblical boundary stones. Let me say that again. I believe it is us, fathers, godly men, surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ more than any other members of society who have the most potential (coughs) to restore and protect biblical boundary stones. Please understand, I am not in any way diminishing the role of godly mothers, godly women in our society Thank God, we're all in this together. But there is a spiritual leadership that God has called men to, not only in homes, but in other places. He has called you, and too often men have surrendered it. But I thank God for men who have stood up and said, this stone will not be moved. For godly men who will stand up and say, "God has given me a holy responsibility and a holy authority to be the man of God in this situation," something that I've never done as a pastor, I've tried not to do. And forgive me if, at some point, that I have. But I really have tried over these years that when it comes, you know, uh, it's, it's often been said, "Boy, on Mother's Day we just applaud the mothers, and when Father's Day comes, we put down the fathers." And I've tried. I've really tried not to do that. And and I'm not doing it this morning, but what I am doing is I'm challenging you. I'm challenging us as as men, as as godly men, as fathers and as husbands, to take a spiritual role, not only in our families, but in our culture. Because when men, when husbands, when fathers are transformed by Jesus Christ, then families are also radically transformed seen this so many times. I've seen this so many times where when, when the husband, when the father, uh, w- when he begins to follow Jesus Christ, when he is radically transformed, I'll tell you what, it's just a matter of time often when that family will one at a time come into a living relationship with Jesus Christ. I've seen this. I've seen this. And I'm trusting for it more. But then it, it's, it doesn't stop there because then, They they, they, they step into that leadership role, that godly authority that that God has given them, and they then begin to change the society around them. They, They act differently at work. They lead differently at work. They perform differently at work. They show up to work, and they work hard at work because Jesus does a work in their lives communities are changed it 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 is not often dramatic but it's strong and it's subtle just this last week i i was reminded of this when i heard of somebody in our community and i didn't get his permission to to ask him if i can mention it, so i won't mention his name but but somebody in our community who's in a leadership role in one of the factories here in town how how he is so respected and a lot of people who work with him and for him or under him don't necessarily understand why he is this way, but he's a person of integrity and it affects the job site. That's a godly man, a godly husband and father who stands up and said, I will serve Jesus Christ at all times, including at work. And and, and the culture is changed. The, The environment is changed because a man said, I will not move a boundary stone. I've seen this in many of you men. Again, it's one of the one of the privileges I have of being pastor of some of you for a long time, being in this community for a long time. I've seen how how the change began in you and then and then it continued into your families, and now it's it's affecting the community around you. God bless you. A few things are more exciting than when men are changed by the power of the gospel. Let me say that again. Few things are more exciting than when men are changed by the power of the gospel. Thank God for his men. His men who protect boundaries. His men who steadfastly refuse to move them. A few weeks ago, a sister congregation in our community took a very strong stand in their denomination. Perhaps you read about it in the newspaper. A A sister congregation, there's only one church in this but we meet in a lot of different places, but there they, they preached the message of Jesus Christ there. And and this congregation took a very strong stand against the greater denomination. They essentially said this, we will not move this boundary stone. Now, I'm sure that there was no statement precisely like that, but that's essentially what they were saying. This boundary stone established by God, we are not going to move, even if our denomination says otherwise. A member of that church board is a friend of mine. I called him up after I read this, after I heard about this. I called him up. He's a godly man, and I thanked him for his part in that congregation's Courageous and righteous stand. This man is a godly man. He's a godly father, a godly husband, and I thanked him and on his be on our behalf for that that congregation's courageous and righteous stand. And I told him, God will honor you for it. You're going to catch a lot of heat, but God's going to honor you for it. It's going to be hard because people don't like it when you say this stone will not be moved. But God honors it when people say this stone will not be moved. We need godly men. We need godly, let me say it again, we need godly men who will establish and guard the biblical boundary stones, not only in our community, but in our, in our worlds. And we also need godly men <coughs> who will guard boundary stones in their homes. In their homes. When I was about 14 years old, my brother, who who is and was three years older than me, tried, um, tried moving a boundary stone, uh, a core biblical principle long established in our family. I, I, won't, I won't go into the specifics. It's not necessary. But one morning, my brother, three years older, I was 14, he would have been about 17, my brother came to the breakfast table and he declared, I remember him standing right there just at the top of the stairs right near the table and he declared that as of that day, he would no longer do what our parents had said we would always do as a family. And, and let me let me explain what we did. What we did uh, had not been a a matter of my parents' opinion. It was not a matter of my my parents' uh, preferences. It was not even a, a matter of my parents' tradition. Though it, they had been doing it a long time, it they didn't they didn't. Established this boundary stone because it was a meaningless tradition or preference we had done it because it was a biblical command, but my brother that day he said, Not me no longer i'm not going to do this I remember i was eating I was eating breakfast when my brother made that declaration, and when he said it i when I, I stopped eating, and I looked at my I looked at my my dad, and then I looked at my brother, and then I lo- I, I looked at my dad, and and for a brief moment I, I for a brief moment I thought I'm about to become an only child. <laughs> and, and and at the time I I didn't care for my and it, it, the, the thought did not altogether unappe was not un, unappealing to me. I I thought you know that's not a bad idea. Can I get his motorcycle? You know that was you know, the things that go through your mind pretty fast but my father it was was a little bit uncharacteristic my father very calmly looked at my brother my my dad sat next to him my dad looked at my brother and he said you are free to do as you choose but if you choose that you'll never eat at this table again now you have to understand for those of you who don't know food is an extremely important thing to a 17 year old young man I mean, it is, like, it is like air and food. I mean, that's what you need. And uh, my brother, with a horrified look on, he just went pale, with a horrified look on his face, he slowly backed away from that boundary stone. Now, I don't say that to disparage my brother. To the contrary. Today, my brother is passionately serving Jesus Christ. He's totally in love with the Lord. His family has also been trans, uh, just, just been transformed, and his children's children are also serving Jesus Christ with a passion today, in part because of that day. In part, there were other factors, but in part because a loving but firm father essentially said that boundary stone will not be moved there's something that happens when godly fathers when godly husbands will with determination and 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 bible-based conviction will stand up and in very carefully and even take the time to explain why but to say that stone is not going to be moved It will not be moved while I have breath in my body. Fathers, with a firm foundation, not on tradition, with a firm foundation, not on on tradition or opinion, but on the Word of God, when you determine, when you determine, when you resolve that there are some things that you will do as a family, And there will be some things that you will never do as a family. You may not be popular in that moment. I promise you. There will be occasions when you say, not not that stone. You will not be popular. But I promise you that when you honor God, fathers in the homes, even if your children are long grown up or they're just still in your your wife's womb, I promise you that when you steadfastly and on the authority of God's word refuse to move a boundary stone that that He established, not you, that He established, you will not be popular, but in years to come, your children will rise up and they will bless you. In years to come, your children will rise up and they will bless you. They will say, in so many words, thank you. I was angry that day. I was angry for that season. I was angry for that period of time. But I thank you for doing that because I saw in you the example of what it means to be a godly man who will not give in to the lowered standards of this world. I saw a man, they will say, I saw a man who refused to move a boundary stone. Now this morning I have to say this, perhaps your father or your mother were not good examples. That happens and I'm fully aware of that. I know that in a, in a gathering this size, there, there are people here who can look back just one generation and you can say, never happened. I know that there are, there are many here this morning who can look back maybe even generations before them who, generations of people who either moved or destroyed or never had any boundaries, who, who, who did, would not know a biblical principle from a traffic law. But because of God's grace and His work in your life, it is different with you. And it will be different for those who follow you. Let me tell you something that you see—you still see that verse before you. Do not remove an ancient boundary stone set up by your forefathers. You be that forefather. You be that godly man who says, it, "That that stone may not have been there before me, but it's going to be there in my life, and it's going to affect the people who will follow me." I've quoted it before. You've heard it before. I think I've quoted it maybe two or three times over these years. Abraham Lincoln wrote this great statement. He wrote this. He said, what's important is not who my ancestors were. What's important is what my children and my grandchildren will become. Listen to that again. What's important is not who my ancestors were. What's important is what my children and my grandchildren will become. And some of you can look back and you can go, man, it's just no borders. But I tell you what, it's going to be different from my children and my children's children, and even generations beyond that should the Lord not yet return. You be that forefather. Fellow fathers, grandfathers, fathers to be, and maybe right now the thought of you having a child is just so far over the horizon. It's so distant. Let me tell you something. You start setting up those boundaries now. You you protect those boundaries now and it'll affect your children that aren't even thought of yet. Be that man. This morning, I want to pray for the fathers. I want to pray for the fathers that are here. I want to pray for you. I shared earlier that there are few responsibilities quite so heavy. Um, And yet there are few joys that are greater. It hit me about two years ago when our youngest son, who's here this morning when our youngest son went to college, it kind of bothered me a little bit because the day to day you know intentional role of father was kind of done and I didn't like that because I enjoy that intentional day to day role and uh and it kind of bothered me and 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 yet i I know that even if my children are gone for 20 years I'm still an influence in their lives some of you, your kids have been away for 20, 30, 40 even 50 years been away from your home but God is using you He's using you as an example and I want to pray for every father here this morning if you're a father this morning or you're Father, to be your wife, expecting. I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask you to stand. Would you? Go ahead, Father, stand up. We're not going to applaud you. It's not what this is about. We're going to pray for you. This is a fellowship of joy. If you are near your family right now, if you have children near them, then uh, would, you, would you also put your hand, would you stand beside them right now? Go ahead and do that. If you have a wife or a child that's with you, go ahead, and, Would you stand. And I want you to lay, just lay your hands on them. Go ahead and do that now. Lay your hand on me, son. He's here. I'm gonna do it. He has to do this because I'm buying lunch. <laughs> we need prayer, don't we, guys? It's a heavy responsibility we have. It's a joyous responsibility we have. Right now, some of you, your your family isn't nearby, they aren't around you, and yet I know they're praying for you today. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for my fellow fathers. I thank you for the ways in which you have used them to shape a family. I thank you, Lord, for the legacy that they will leave that will not be left in a ledger, a financial ledger that is largely immaterial. I thank you for the legacy that they will leave of eternal consequences. I pray for them that they will be change agents not only in their family, but in the world around them where they work where they study what they do, how they serve. Oh God, would you use them to change the world around them. For those who are young fathers, may they, with great care and intentionality and prayer, when they pray for their family, they build a wall. They set up a marking stone. They put up a godly perimeter. Would you use them? When they study your word, Lord, they build a, they put up a, a boundary stone. And they declare to the world around them, their family more than any other, that I will stand upon this word. I pray for my fellow fathers that they will, in their homes and in their communities, protect the boundary stones. I pray, Jesus, for men around this nation, for men around this world, for godly men who will step into those spiritual roles and see change in our world. It's not too late. It's not too late. Use these men. Thank you, Lord. You do powerful things in these men, through these men, regardless of their age, in the months and in the years to come prior to your taking them or your returning for your church. I thank you, Lord. Across this congregation, would you all stand, please? There are a lot of events happening. There's going to be a bunch of kids that you're going to, some of you are going to go get. And AFA kids, you're going to have some plans this afternoon. I want to ask God's blessing upon all of you today. Thank you for gathering together as a body of believers. Thank you for praying for one another. Thank you for being His church. Would you bow your heads with me one more time? Lord, I ask now Your blessing as we go, Lord, and as we celebrate this Father's Day, and we celebrate these fathers, and we call fathers who are miles away as we remember fathers who have passed away long before us as we thank you for the influence that they had upon this upon us lord i ask your blessing upon these people may they go in to your presence lord throughout this community and change our world may we not simply circle the wagons and hope that you return quickly to rescue us but lord may we be found working and battling and protecting and striving and defending while we have breath and while we have time for your glory. We thank you, Lord. and We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe it, say amen. 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 God bless you. Happy Father's Day. Go in the presence and the power of Jesus Christ.